0: better get ready yeah! Yeah! because under the dome with cd starts right now let's do it i'm ready let's do it
1: and good morning beautiful people hopefully you are having a fantastic saturday morning i know i am it's been hotter than hell all week So why not kind of sit back, relax, and enjoy two hours of unfiltered, unadulterated sports talk. Let this be, again, we we like to do this all the time. This is the show where I like to have it be a respite. From all the stuff you've been dealing with all week long, this is where you kind of go for the barstool conversation. You get to just hear me ramble on and on and on. And trust me, your boy knows how to do that all too well. Appreciate you listening in, however you're doing so. Be it through the p- towers of power that are the game in Lafayette, 103.7 FM, 1041 Lake Charles, anywhere else on the app, 103.7thegame.com, 1041 thegamecom and Amazon Echo. Just tell your smart speaker to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. And, of course, we are your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros here in Southwest Louisiana. That's always a great thing. And if you want to call up, we got some time for you. More so in this first half hour of the show and the beginning of hour number two. We're going to bring back what we've been doing, and that is the countdowns, the the power rankings, whatever you want to call it. We're going to do that at the start of hour two. So if you want to get in on the conversation, now is the time because there's not much time in between because we're loaded up with a lot of guests in hour number two. We'll break that down a little bit later on in the program. But right about right about now is the time where i usually kind of go off on a tangent my job was go off on different tangents at any given time of any given day so let's get down to brass tacks and talk about what's causing all this on a louisiana saturday morning at least in my point of view with your saturday sports sermon
0: The famous CB is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Oh, testify! It's time for your Saturday sports sermon.
1: And I'm going to start off the show talking about the New Orleans Saints and more so kind of getting you ready, getting you geared up for training camp because they just announced this week, July 19th is the start of training camp for the black and gold. So we're getting closer and closer to it. So this feels like the perfect time to open up the show. And at my, I'm going to give an opening take, an opening statement on one player in particular that I think the pressure from last season is still on him, and it's added on even more. And that's Marcus Davenport. He's a guy that I think we need to look at and realize the pressure. Last year was a lot of pressure on him because he was on that fifth-year deal. Do the Saints re-sign him? Do they keep him around? Depending how he does, you obviously have a plan where you go get somebody like a Peyton Turner still a little bit mind-boggling draft pick the day of and we'll talk about that in a little bit but the former UTSA Roadrunner he had a ton of hype surrounding him because he was drafted very early the Saints made a big trade up to get him that year if you remember that and for the bulk of his time in the black and gold it's been inconsistent play but it's not because of oh hey he's just not a good player no When he's on the field, he's good, but it's can he be a consistent guy that's going to be be performing day in and day out and being able to play a full season because he hasn't done that at all in his NFL career, hasn't played a full 16-game season. He's played some playoff games, but it still hasn't necessarily worked out the way I know many Saints fans would hope, especially with somebody that you – Signed as a first-round draft pick. You traded up to get this guy. And he had some great moments on the field, but didn't play a complete season. We talked about it a lot over the last couple that, you know, does he get that fifth-year option? And we talked about the injury, but kind of hampering him. And he had to step up a lot because he was hearing those footsteps all the way back to the 2021 NFL draft, the second you heard Peyton Turner, out of Houston's name, come out. In the Saints draft pick. It befuddled and puzzled a lot of Saints fans. Especially yours truly. Especially when we did that Facebook Live. Uh, the pick is in draft reaction party. I was—I I didn't even care about any the other picks. The Peyton Turner pick completely derailed my mindset that day. But it was a move to point the finger towards one Marcus Davenport and say hey. Either you perform well or this guy is going to be taking your spot. He's going to go ahead and Wally pip you. And that was enough, you know, to kind of give Marcus Davenport a chance at impact. He only played in 11 games, but racked up a solid nine sacks on the season. And also, give credit where credit is due. He did a good job while Peyton Turner got injured, didn't play a whole lot after that. So he's able to have the opportunity to get more reps in, and more importantly, have more opportunities to be an impact player and make a point because, again, he only had that fifth-year option. If he was not going to perform that well, I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints let him walk and kind of focus more on developing Peyton Turner and maybe get somebody else as a defensive end in the draft or focus on free agency to get somebody, uh, relatively speaking, on the cheap. And it was wild because, again, the rookie out of Houston caught the injury bug that's affected Marcus Davenport in the past, and it did affect him for a little while early on in the season, but he still had a really strong second half of the season that was marred by injuries on pretty much every single facet of the roster, and that's not including all the COVID cases they had to deal with. And the Saints, it was good enough for them to extend him for four more years. And it makes a lot of sense when you just think about how much they invested in seeing how Turner does. And if Turner did well, you were probably going to move on from Marcus Davenport. Turner, more of the same stuff. Injuries, riddled his first year in the NFL to where he wasn't able to play nearly as much. There was some There were some moments where you're like, okay, I think I can see a future for him. But you're not necessarily sold, you know? But I like what I'm seeing from Marcus Davenport in year five. Now can he parlay that? over the course of the next four years and maybe play a complete season because I think that's been the weak link in that front seven. You've got a really solid linebacking core led by DeMario Davis who just signed a one-year extension. Well-deserved. He's been playing in the league for 10 years and he's been, without a doubt, one of the best Saints free agency acquisitions in the last decade. He's been an all-pro linebacker and hands down a great ambassador for the Saints franchise and fits the team culture that's was that's been built during the last few years of Sean Payton. So all that's great. But you need to have that conversation about where is the weakest part on the Saints defense? Because your secondary looks to be good. Your secondary looks to be in check at this point in time. But you kind of have to question what that other side is. Because Cam Jordan, without a doubt, Saints Hall of Famer first ballot and probably going to be an NFL Hall of Famer down the road. What's that other side look like? Marcus Davenport and Peyton Turner right now. You need to have one of those two guys step up in such a way to where we get to see a phenomenal defensive end bookending. On the right, Yeah, Cam Jordan. On the left, you got Marcus Davenport or Peyton Turner, whoever winds up panning out. But I think Marcus Davenport, he signed the four-year deal. He's got the bag, Jack. But I think that pressure from 2021 is still going to carry over to him because there's still going to be a lot of naysayers and, more importantly, a healthy Peyton Turner. If he's able to be that guy that can do a, play a 16-game season and Marcus Davenport continues to get bit by the injury bug, it's going to hurt him because we talk about it all the time. It's the most cliche-ass thing I've ever said, but the best ability – is availability, and that's not been what Marcus Davenport's abilities been over the last few years, and that's kind of the million-dollar question when it comes to question marks that this Saints team has. It's the front seven, more specifically how it's going to look on the other side of the defensive end because you've still got some good players like David Onyemata who has transitioned extremely well from not knowing much about playing professional football in America, he was born in Nigeria. It's it's incredible to see what he's been able to do and how much he's grown since joining the team. But who else is going to be a true star? Who's going to wind up helping make this front seven, especially the front lines, that much better? Because I, I hate to say it, but it's a lot like the SEC. How you perform, but in the trenches, that's going to determine who wins and who loses the ball game. And Cam Jordan can't do it all himself. He's getting out there in age. He can still do it. He can still go. But he can't necessarily do it the way that we want him to. And this has been, the, I think, outside of Jameis Winston, because quarterbacks always have to deal with pressure, pun intended. And it's amplified 10 times more for Winston because of the fact that he's filling in for the shoes of one of the greatest Saints quarterbacks, if not quarterbacks in the history of the game, in Drew Brees. Those shoes are damn near impossible to fill. It's a lot like taking over for an all-time great head coach. It's hard to do that. But I think Jameis Winston has a chance to do so. But Marcus Davenport has uh, still a lot to prove. Can he play a full 17-now game season? It's no longer 16 like he used to be. It's 17. Can he do that? Can he at least get to more than 13 games in a season? Can he be enough of an impact player? Because he did well last year. Solid nine sacks. But can he do better? And I think that's the biggest question that this Saints team has in year one of Dennis Allen. And we'll have a lot of those. And we'll try and get to all those answers as training camp progresses as we get closer to it. This is what I'm going to try and do on the show every week. It's going to look at a different thing with the New Orleans Saints and break it down like a fraction. But I think the other question mark on this team, and we'll get to that right now. We'll go ahead and kind of hit this because I saw this yesterday or a couple days ago. And that's the running back position because we're dealing with, of course, the Alvin Kamara sum- suspension looming large. And the Wheel of Punishment has not been spun just yet. Where does that go? And there's a number now reportedly attached to that suspension is potentially six games. And that's great. Six games is about where we kind of felt it was going to be. Now the million-dollar question is when the hell it's going to be. Because you've still got the trial to deal with. And obviously, you're going to have to retroact, suspend them as soon as everything kind of gets comes out in the wash, if you will. And if it's a six-game suspension during the season, it could be midway through the year. And trying to get a solid running back to kind of fill that void, to fill that gap alongside old man River, Mark Ingram, good luck, God bless. That's all I got to say on that front. So there's a lot of questions surrounding this team. Marcus Davenport may be the biggest on the defensive side. Alvin Kamara, which we'll probably dive into more next week, is the more difficult question to really answer in the here and now. All right, it's Under the Dome with CD right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, the big news. Damn near a nuclear bomb dropped on the recruiting trail with Arch Manning committing to Texas at long last. It felt inevitable, to be honest with you. But we're going to talk about that and so much more in the next segment. We've also got David Ware of App State Mania. We're continuing our summer camp segments bringing back david where app state mania part of 24 7 sports we're going to talk about what the mountaineers look like first time in forever the, the louisiana raging cajuns aren't playing the mountaineers kind of wild to think about but we're going to talk about that and so much more with him but when we come back we're going to get into arch manning texas and is this commitment legit in my mind I think so. Well, I'll give you one reason why next, right here on the game. 103 7 Lafayette and 104 1 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Yet and one Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Fighting Tigers and the Houston Astros. They'll be on the air a little bit earlier today, 11.35 pregame, 12.05 first pitch against the New York Yankees. Astros got a really nice win last night. You'll hear that action right here on the game. But let me tell you about something else, and that is the game clubhouse. If you are part of it already, Just go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and you'll see something called the Clubhouse Rewards in the little menu. You click that and bada bing, bada boom, you get right into it. You just sign up. It's free to do so, free to do so, and it's free to join. And once you become a member, you'll have a chance to win some fantastic prizes, some stuff that I honestly would love to have, but I can't because I work for Delta Media. You sure as hell can. And that includes a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Hands down, one of the best steakhouses in the entire damn state. And that's at Cypress Bayou. Or you can get a $50 half-shell oyster house gift certificate. Have some fantastic seafood over there. Or if you're out at Cypress Bayou Casino Hotel, you can also get a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen inside the Rewards Club. And you can only score those great prizes and more because, trust me, prize pool keeps getting added into it. That's only a couple highlights, so make sure you get in on the action today at 1037thegame.com or 104thegame.com and sign up today. It's so simple, even I can do it. So go sign up today and enter in for a chance to win some phenomenal prizes. Gonna have David Ware coming on in the next 10 minutes talking App State and Mountaineers football because, again, if you missed last week's show, we focused... We're starting to turn the page because LSU, the Cajun season, those are done. Now we're focusing in on college football, the pro game. We're starting to focus more towards that. Obviously, we're in the dog days of summer in baseball, but I feel like based off of metrics that I've seen, I think we need to focus more on football. So why not get the perspective of teams across the Sun Belt and the SEC? The Conference of Dixie and the Sun Belt Conference, the two conferences we focus on a lot here. In southwest Louisiana. So we're going to have David Ware on to kind of give us a preview of App State football. How they look after kind of coming up short in the Sunbelt Championship game at Cajun Field. Actually got to meet David Ware for the first time then. Honored to call him a friend of the program. But we'll have him on in just a little bit. But I want to get to the Arch Manning conversation. Because I got a conversation with our guy, Matt Miguez, off the air whenever the news came out. I was blown away by it, Number more because of the fact that it happened in June. Because it felt like Arch Manning, the way that he played it, was done deliberately, and it felt like we were going to wind up finding out on the day of like National Signing Day or around that time. It just felt like that's what he was going to do, because that thing was kept under lock and key pretty much from the second he joined Isidore Newman as a freshman. Like that literally, the recruiting process began then because of the name, brand, recognition, and the legacy that the Manning family has brought to the table. Now, the conversation me and Matt Miguez got into, you can listen to him weekdays from four to six right here on the game. And we talked about it. The Arch Manning situation. And he says he's probably gonna go some, he's probably it's probably committed for now. And I disagree with that a lot. And I think it's more because of the fact that he literally did it the way, like in the best way possible. If you're a young kid, take notes of this. Rather than, you know, have all the hats in the world on a table, rather than making it a big press conference, rather than doing any of that stuff, he decides. So open up a Twitter account, sign up for it. A lot of players, they sign up for that stuff when they're 14, 15 years old, especially if they're highly recruited and highly touted. They've got people handling their social media. And I'm sure Eli, Peyton, Cooper, whoever, is helping him with this as well. And there's no doubt in my mind that they're helping him with his social media to make sure it's handled a certain way and he doesn't. they don't probably want to see Arch really on social, especially at a young age. That's just my personal POV on that. But with the way Arch handled it, it wasn't, here's my top five, here's my top three, I'm committing to this school, all this stuff. He just opened up a Twitter account on a random-ass Thursday in June and said, I'm committed to Texas. That was it. His first and probably only tweet ever was him committing to the University of Texas. He never mentioned a word about any other school, who he was talking to, who he was in conversations with, never really said a top four, and top three, whatever. All these other kids across the country do. It was kept under lock and key, but I think we all kind of knew which direction this was going to go because you go back to what we talked about with Arch Manning and dating back to probably when he was a freaking sophomore, the conversation started to turn towards him being a Texas Longhorn. And that was before Steve Sarkeesian even set foot on campus as the head coach. That was back when Tom Herman and that experiment was kind of nearing the end of the road that those conversations started to come up. And I think that's the right direction for him because I think this is going to be a huge step for Texas because they have – a lot of great talent at quarterback going forward. Arch Manning will have plenty of time to develop, and he'll be possibly the next great Texas quarterback in the mix. They've got Quinn Ewers. He's going to be there for a little while, and I think he's going to be somebody to look out for. But don't be surprised if Arch Manning, by the time Texas makes the jump over from the Big 12 to the SEC He's going to be a starting quarterback. But again, the quarterback room at Texas is stacked. It's incredibly stacked. I can't wait to see what Arch does whenever he sets foot on campus. It's going to be, hands down, one of the most intriguing things in college football in 2023 and beyond. Now, when it comes to all the other schools, especially in the SEC, I mean, there was no real clear favorite, but we all kind of felt like the smart money was on Texas. Don't know why. Don't know how. But the crux of the conversation Miguez had was saying that Lane Kiffin he's going to offer enough money. I'm like, you can't offer money as a recruit. It's like, that's, that's it goes against the NIL. And I know people probably do it all the time, especially a school from T-Town, Alabama. I'm almost certain it goes down on a lot of different fronts. Trust me. But I want to believe that he is firmly committed because the way he did it, it was very old school. It wasn't done with a big old press conference on CBS Sports HQ on the four-letter network or anywhere else. It wasn't a live Periscope, a Facebook Live with him in front of all his friends and family and stuff with three different hats, a bunch of different gimmicks, a video overhyped where it's, dude jumping out of a plane and stuff. No, it was straight up just a Photoshop job of him with the Texas Longhorns logo on his T-shirt. Classy job by the young man. And I think that alone makes me convinced he's committed to being part of the University of Texas. And yeah, Ole Miss can try and make a last stand for him, but I think Arch, a lot like Peyton, isn't wanting to kind of follow the family path. That's at least the way I think about it because Peyton wanted to go his own route and do his own thing. And it wound up working out gangbusters for him. Eli was a lot more attached to the hip with Archie to the point where he got drafted by the San Diego chargers back then. Now the Los Angeles chargers and convinced Charges to trade him to the New York Giants for Phillip Rivers I think and I think Archie had a lot to do with that but Arch I think he wants to be a lot like Peyton do his own thing and create his own legacy because all these boys could have just wound up going to Ole Miss and Ole Miss probably would have been a really good force to be reckoned with but doing it on your own doing it your way is going to help you a lot more and give him more experience and I think that, I'm going to say it respectfully to a lot of people who I know are Texas fans. With everything that you got going on, Quinn Ewers, you get Arch Manning, you get all these big names that are going to be coming through the pipeline in the next year, year and a half. And Arch stays there for the full four years. If you do not get to a certain, if you don't up your game in the next like three, four years, I don't want to hear Texas is back ever again. Because this is your opportunity to really prove to us as a college football loving nation that Texas is indeed truly back. I'm tired I've been tired of hearing that over the last several years, because every time we think they're back, they they drop they 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 just drop a game they shouldn't have dropped. This is your golden opportunity. Do not louse it up. Now, of course, you're gonna to go to the SEC and things are going to be a very competitive, especially because you're still going to be dealing with Oklahoma. You're going to be dealing with LSU, Alabama, Auburn, AM. and I can't wait for Texas, Texas A&M the first time in God knows how long. We need that in our lives, please. But I want to see what Texas does with everything because everything is going the right way with Steve Sarkisian. Everything is going the right way for them on the recruiting trail you're getting the top-tier talent that you want. Do something with it. Get to the promised land. Hell, the promised land could just be making it to Atlanta. If you do that, that is a massive, and I mean massive success for one Steve Sarkeesian. And hell, have the fact that you'd be able to beat your former head coach, your the guy you were under in Nick Saban. If you can beat the Nick Tater, that could be your promise land. I don't know what their goals are over in Texas once they jump to the SEC. But if you don't if you don't hit, let's say, a nine and three, ten and two type year consistently over the next like five six year span, I can't be convinced that Texas is indeed really truly back. All right, it's under the dome with CD right here on the game, and we'll talk with. Our guy, David Ware of App State Mania, in just a few moments. Talk about the Mountaineers football program heading into the 2022 season. And the fact they're not playing the Cajuns for the first time in an eternity. We'll talk about that and more right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: world famous cd may be in his 30s but he's still a kid at heart (laughs) (laughs) now let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear with under the dome with the world famous cd on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station
1: Welcome back to under the dome with CD right here on the game. One Oh three, seven live yet. And a 10401 Lake Charles. We are your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. And later on today at park international, we've got the rescue fest going on for the first time. It's a day of live music featuring the Sarah Russo band jet seven, Layla Laverne Hunter Corville and cam Nelson. And there'll be plenty of food, games, and even a raffle. And Rescue Fest is, of course, a fundraiser for the Rescue Group of Acadiana. That's R-E-S-C-Y-O-U. And it's the group of Acadiana. It's a group that provides financial and emotional assistance to grieving families of child loss. To buy tickets, go to Eventbrite right now or by visiting rescueyougroup.org. And now we're going to kind of flip things over a little bit. We talked to... more the pro a little bit of the recruiting game but we'll get to some app state mountaineers talk i know the cajuns aren't playing them in 2022 which is weird in and of itself but we're going to kind of get into an idea of what's going on over in beautiful boone north carolina with a good friend of the program and that is one david ware of app state mania part of the 24 7 sports network david how you been brother
2: Man, I'm doing great, Glenn. Always great to be with you. How are things in Louisiana this morning?
1: It's hotter than hell, brother. Like, it's been hot the last several days. Honestly, I'm just glad that I'm inside air conditioning right now, inside the game studios. But before we get to the actual what's going on with the team in 2022, I want to chat you up about DeMarco Jackson. Excuse me. DeMarco Jackson, he got drafted by the Saints back in April What can Saints fans expect to see from him in 2022 in the black and gold?
2: Well, I think we're all going to be interested to see, you know, how DeMarco translates to that level of play. I I, I will tell you first and foremost, the dude is a demon on special teams. Uh, And, you know, he's one of those guys that even at App State, even as a starter on defense, even as the defensive player of the year in the Sunbelt Conference, He was insistent on participating on special teams coverage units. And, you know, I think that just tells you what kind of team player he is, number one. But he's also really, really good at it. So, you know, I I, I expect immediately you're going to see impact from him there. Uh, You know, you and I talked a little bit, or or I talked with one of your guys um, not long after the draft when DeMarco was taken. And we we discussed the fact that, you know, we'll we'll have to see kind of where he translates into that Saints defense. Is it Mike? Is it Will? You know, you've got a couple of veterans there right now. I I don't feel like maybe he has to be rushed into the lineup. Now, that doesn't mean he won't earn his place in there pretty quickly. But I I feel like they've got some time to maybe figure out where his skill sets match up the best. Um, and, you know, I, I expect to see him, you know, uh, playing in the rotation. Is he a starter? Uh, that would be hard for me to determine. I don't see enough of you guys down there to really understand that. I'm, I'm stuck up here in Carolina Panther misery, but that's a different discussion. Um, but, I, you know, I expect to see DeMarco be an impact player on special teams immediately. And, you know, I'm. it's not going to surprise me a bit to see him earn uh, starters reps, you know, maybe at some point later in this season.
1: Oh, I'd agree. I think he could be a guy that has a big impact and one that's had a big impact for the App State Mountaineers over the last couple of seasons has to be without a doubt. Chase Bryce heading into his senior season. Richard senior season. Excuse me. What are your expectations for him after obviously season came to an end in the Sunbelt championship game? Not necessarily the way they wrote it up, but now you kind of move forward what's Chase Bryce's mindset like heading into his final year as the head honcho of the Mountaineers?
2: Well, you know, I I think Chase, look, first and foremost, Chase is a really quality guy, Uh, very humble, you know, came to App State. It it didn't have any expectations of being treated a certain way, wanted to earn his way through, uh, you know, with the team, uh, with the coaches, earn the trust of those guys, and he did that. You know, he broke the season, the single season record for passing yardage, um, 27 touchdowns last year. Yeah, season didn't end the way he wanted to, and I'm sure that's stuck in his craw, which is, you know, not the worst thing in the world. It's it's not bad to come into the season maybe a little bit angry. Um, you know, so I, I don't have any concerns about Chase and where he's going to be in terms of his skill set, uh, the way he approaches the game, et cetera. What is going to be very different for him is the entire starting receiver group from last year is gone. Those guys were all super seniors that were in that three-man starting rotation. Of course, Jalen Virgil was a fourth guy who was also a super senior that was kind of that fourth uh, fourth weapon in that group, primary weapon. So, you know, the biggest thing for Chase um, in spring ball during this offseason is going to be creating new connections with an entirely new wide receiver group. And, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword to that type of thing. You know, the, the thing about the receiver group that just left is they were enormously productive. Great uh, great guys, great teammates. But, you know, after you've seen them three, four, or some cases even five years with the COVID waiver, you know, you've got a pretty thorough scouting report on those guys. You understand who they are, what they're capable of. And, you know, uh, at least with this new group coming in, they're unproven. But, you know, uh, opposing teams are going to have zero scouting report on what these guys are capable of. And I think that gives us the opportunity to go out there and maybe do some different things, show some different things. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if early on in the season, while they're getting up the speed at game, you know, game speed uh, types of reps, maybe the passing game um, is is a little slower to start. But I think that very quickly as the season progresses, you're just going to see them continue to gain more and more momentum because there's a lot of talent there. It's just talent hasn't been on the field very much yet.
1: Talk right now with David Ware of Hap Mania. And while you mentioned the wide receiver core, that's a bit of a question mark heading into fall camp. I think obviously your running back core is going to be really solid with Cameron Peoples coming back as well. That's a name that I think a lot of Cajun fans absolutely have a little bit of PTSD when they hear that name. So what do you think about the rest of this team and how everything kind of pans out, especially in the running back room, how much that could play a role in how this team's successes are, especially Early on, as you mentioned, with the new wide receivers, you kind of have to build that team chemistry.
2: Yeah, this running back group is the deepest I've seen at At State. Um, And, you know, everybody makes those kind of hyperbolic statements sometimes. But, you know, for me, I, I got to see this group in spring. And to be honest with you, Clint, it's the first time in probably three years that the entire group was truly healthy. So, you know, just to run through them, you mentioned canned people's. Obviously, Cam is a unique guy. You know, he's big, he's fast. Um, You know, he rushed for a little over 920 yards last year, and he missed a couple of games due to injury. You know, he was the league's leading rusher in 2020 uh, in terms of total rushing yardage. Nate Noel, who's a little bit of a smaller running back, more of a stop-and-start kind of guy, Nate led the Sun Belt in total rushing yardage last season. He's also back. Add to that, Datrick Harrington, who in 2020, going into the sixth game of the season, he was leading the Sun Belt of rushing yardage at that point. Tore ACL ACL, uh, was obviously never back to 100% last season, but he's back for his sixth year, and he looks as good as I've seen him look since he's been there. So you've got three guys who at one point or another either led the, the, the final season or at least led the Sun Belt at a point in the season in total rushing yardage, and they're all sitting there available to use. So, you know, when we, roll, when we roll into the season, we open with University of North Carolina at home. So Power 5 game number one. The next week, you travel to Texas A&M for Power 5 game number two. I could really see App in a, in a mode of let's run the ball because we've got backs that are capable of running at that level. We've got four, of offens- four or five starting offensive linemen back, so that's a, good, uh, that's a good momentum builder going into the season. Let's ride this running game. Let's shorten the game a little bit. Let's keep the chains moving and let Chase and this new receiver group kind of fit in and work off of that run game. That's really the App State offensive strategy always has been, is to set you up on the run and then hit you with the big play passing game. So we're going to see how that develops, but I do think it will take some time.
1: And David, you know, looking at the defensive side of the football, what are some big questions you're going to have heading into fall camp with the Mountaineers?
2: Well, that's really probably where more of the questions are, honestly, Clint. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not belittling, you know, what has to happen at wide receiver. But on the defensive side of the ball, you know, every season since App moved up to the Sun Belt in 2014, that defense has ranked in the top 30 in FBS in total defensive yardage. So, you know, they've set a pretty high standard. But going into this season, we're replacing two starting defensive ends. You mentioned DeMarco Jackson, at inside linebacker. And we're replacing three of four starters in the secondary. So there are going to be some new faces back there. Um, There are going to be some guys that are going to be tested. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, the reality is uh, we've always withstood attrition, graduation, whatever it is. We've always withstood it, and that defense has always stepped up and performed. Uh, I do think there'll be some you know there'll be some different wrinkles to it this year. um there will be some nuances you know you have to change your scheme as your player talent changes. Uh, I think we're going to be a little bit bigger at those defensive end spots in general, uh, but you know you don't want to lose your explosiveness on that edge rush, so you know there they're going to be some different combinations of players used. I think you might see. A little more rotation of guys throughout the defense, um, because I think there are going to be more guys again with some of these, you know, fifth and sixth year guys that left after their COVID season. You know, there's some guys that have been preparing to be on the field, but they had all conference starters in front of them. So now is the time when these guys who have been busting their butts, kind of quietly behind the scenes, get their chance. And I know there's a lot of optimism about what's there. But, you know, as always, until you see it on the game field, you know, it's all speculation.
1: David, I got one more for you, and it's about the expansion that's going to be happening in 2022 with a lot of new members to the conference, especially on the East Division. How much more competitive do you think this division is going to be now that you added Old Dominion, James Madison, and also the thundering herd of Marshall?
2: Well, you know, I don't think there's any doubt that it, it becomes immediately more competitive. Um, Marshall's been playing at a bowl level for, you know, for several years, um, had some coaching transition there. You know, when you bring in an assistant from Alabama, you know what you're getting there. You know, you're, you're bringing a guy who knows what he's doing. So, you know, th- th- Marshall's always going to be tough. Uh, they historically have been. You know, JMU has been a powerhouse at the FCS level for a long time. A um, little bit of, you know, probably some rivalry uh, holdover from App stays in the in the SCS ranks. Um, you know, I, it's always curious to know how an FCS team is really going to be able to take that step up. And I will say this: when App made the move in 2014, and of course, we haven't had a losing season since we made that move. Um, you know, all due respect to what App accomplished there, I don't think the Sun Belt was in 2014 what it is now. So JMU is going to come into a tougher conference than probably App and Georgia Southern came into at the time. So I guess we'll, you know we'll just have to kind of see how everything translates for them. Uh, the East is a really tough division. You know I think ODU is kind of one of those up and comer programs. Uh, you know the, the coach over there, Ricky Rain, has done a, has done a great job. Got them into a you know into bowl contention last year. So you know I, I think it just it raises the level for everything and everybody in the East, you've just got to stay ahead of that pace. Um, you know, on the flip side of that, it's kind of nice to have some some travel schedules, honestly, that aren't quite as demanding. You know, we're not going to be going across time zones nearly as often. And I think that does matter uh, over the course of the season, especially late in the season. That said, you know, you mentioned it uh, coming back in, you know, I'm, I'm, I really miss the fact that Athe is not going to be playing Louisiana this year um that i think that's the probably to me the most disappointing thing about the uh, the expansion is that we've lost that annual rivalry but of course there's always a Belt championship game uh, and i can't think of a better venue for those two programs to meet again
1: i'd agree with you, old harley david thank you so much for coming on my man we'll talk to you down the road enjoy the rest of your weekend
2: you do the same clint thanks
1: all right, that was David Ware. You can follow him and everybody over at App State Mania. It's just that simple. App State Mania over on Twitter, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm going to take a quick time out. Got one more segment, and we got enough time to get in my fave five picks to click before we jump start our number two next right here on the game. 103.7 yet and one Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: The world-famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to uh, Under the Dome with CD right here on the game one zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We got just enough time to kind of break down my five fave picks to click for this sports weekend. And before that, let's go ahead and go back to last week's picks to click, and that was Tampa Bay Rays, Houston Astros, Tampa Bay Lightning, Arkansas, and Ole Miss. The Astros and the Lightning killed that parlay. Pretty succinctly, I would say. Especially the Lightning. They got absolutely trounced that night. But, we're going to go ahead and sidebar that one. Because, again, that's in the past. We'll go to the future and get to today's games. I've got the Chicago White Sox beating the Baltimore Orioles at 110-195 on on the money line. Tampa Bay Rays, minus 175. That's a 12-10 first pitch. And I've got... The Rays winning over the Pittsburgh Pirates at minus 175. The New York Mets are meeting up with the Miami Marlins. Minus 150 odds. I got the Mets taking the win there. College World Series action. Give me the Ole Miss Rebels pulling off the underdog win in game one of the College World Series. I know they're without their ace, but I think the pluckiness of this team is going to overcome Oklahoma at plus 120 odds. And then USFL action I got to go with. The Birmingham Stallions, as much as it pains me to say, the Birmingham Stallions have been one of the best damn teams in the USFL. Even when they're taking on the New Orleans Breakers, I got to go with the favorite here and probably to win the whole bleeping thing. Hour one in the books, hour two coming up next. We're going to talk with Nick Suss preview, that Ole Miss-Oklahoma College World Series game. Lance Dahl joined the program at 10.30, talking Auburn Tigers. It's all coming up. Next, right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 104 One Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.